And if you don't know where the text is yet, it's going to be Acts chapter 9. You can open up your Bibles or you can open up your Bible app if that's what you're using. And uh, as, you're, as you're getting there, I'll just remind you, so far in chapter 9, we saw Paul converted on the road to Damascus, if you remember that. Paul had this magnificent conversion on the road to Damascus. And we see in chapter 9 that he basically goes from a persecutor to a preacher. We see this man turn from a murderer, we, we know him as Saul, a murderer, and then he becomes a minister. And we saw that he's, he was there in Damascus as he got to Damascus. The people there tried to kill him. They wanted him killed. They got him out of town. And then he ends up in Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he tries to become a part of the church, the part a part of the very church he was persecuting. And as he tries to become a part of the church, there's some resistance there, but they end up uh, embracing him, and there's a restoration, a reconciliation there. He becomes a part of the church. Part of it is through Barnabas's uh, testimony, vouching for him. And then we see that as he's preaching, the Jews there in Jerusalem want to kill him. And they, the church then, gets him out, gets him to Caesarea, and then sends him off to uh, Tarsus, his hometown. So that's kind of a little catch-up. If you, if you don't remember where we are or what's going on in the book, that's kind of where we are right now. And then it's going to shift today. We're not going to hear about Paul again for just a little bit, and we're going to be hearing about Peter. So following all these things that happen with Paul, here's where we start out. In Acts 9.31, it says, Then... The churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas... Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately, so all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Pretty amazing, huh? Well, it's nothing compared to what comes up next. At Joppa, there was a certain ta uh, disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. <laughs> Pause for us to embrace that name. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming, coming to them. Then Peter rose and went with them, and when he had come... They brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was, he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. 
quite a story, huh? And I'll say, and we're going to, we have a lot to talk about this morning, but as we read messages like this and passages like this, I believe these kind of passages are meant to fill us up with hope. The hope of the strength of our Savior, the authority, the might, the magnificence of our Savior. But I don't know if you're like me, and I'm guessing you probably are, but sometimes these stories almost can have a little bit of the opposite effect. And almost a little bit of despair sets in, and we think, well, why isn't life working like this for me? Myself or someone I really love is struggling with an illness and has been ongoingly struggling with an illness, but there's no healing for them. Or maybe getting over the death of a loved one, someone who's died and has, maybe it's been even many years and you're struggling with grief and you're thinking, well, if God could do this, then how come he wouldn't bring my, my dear loved one back? I never got to say the things I wanted to say to my dad or to my mom or my aunt or whatever, whoever it may be. It's, I'm not alone in, in this, right? We, we, we read stories like this, and it's amazing, and we look at the wonder and the power of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it's almost as if we need to address the elephant in the room when we talk about passages like this. So I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about the elephant in the room and hopefully make a little bit of sense out, out of all of this and that it will be a passage that fills you up with hope and worship and excitement about our wonderful, powerful, mighty Savior, Jesus Christ. But we do need to kind of talk through and sort through some of it. And I'll just give you a couple examples of uh, things that had come to, to mind just as I was thinking about this passage. I wrote down some of it. I got this, Carly and I, someone sent us this prayer request. I'm going to try to leave the names out. Uh, sent us this prayer request probably two weeks ago. And we, as we all do, we get prayer requests like this often. Will you play, please pray for a friend of mine? Her husband is critically ill on life support and needs a miracle to survive. And she just found out her 36-week gestation baby doesn't have a heartbeat. She will be delivering her without her husband this weekend and is feeling crushed under the burden. And then about a week later, if not a week later, we got this message. Thank you for your prayers for this family. You know, baby so-and-so was delivered over the weekend. Uh, you know, she had passed, but she was delivered. Sadly, the husband died last night. These, this family is steadfast believers pray that she and her young son find peace and don't lose faith with this awful tragedy. That's a little bit of what we see in everyday life. And we read passages like this, and we have a little bit of trouble sometimes closing the gap because this is true, and this is real, and this says something about our Savior and our God. But this is true, and this is real, and it says something about this world we live in. And so we need to, to reconcile those things. And mo many of you uh, remember Jesus and Lizette. And Jesus was part of our church. And uh, he 
got saved, I think, through our church, through, through it was through our church, and uh, became a believer. Two, three young kids, all under probably seven at the time, and got cancer. Many prayers for him uh, from us and others. And sadly, he passed away, left a wife and three kids. And at that, at the home, we came over that day in, in kind of the tradition or the, that family, the culture there. They had him laying there on the bed. He was on a bed in the living room. And he was deceased and had been deceased about 12 hours. And it was kind of time for family and friends to come in. And kind of like a wake would be where you come in, in a time to grieve or mourn or kind of say goodbyes. And the kids would go up to the, the, the edge of the bed there and talk to their dad and say some goodbyes. And we actually had a group, and, and I don't want to go into the details, but we had a group at one point, and I had walked out of the room. Some of our people from the church came in and started praying over Jesus and praying that he would be... Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Uh, praying over him that he would be resurrected in front of the, the children. And could God resurrect Jesus? Certainly. And I believe he was resurrected spiritually. Uh, but that those kind of situations, so why didn't those prayers raise him? Like Tabitha. So do you see what I'm saying? There is a little tension here, right? It's not just me when we read these passages and we want to just jump immediately into the awesomeness and the power of God, which are all there, and, and the might of our Savior, it's there. But we need to try to sort through some of this if we're going to be able to make some sense of this passage. I feel like so we don't just have these doubts tucked away in the back of our mind that constantly eat at us. And some people would say, well, those people who were praying didn't have enough faith. Or, well, if you're not seeing miracles, then your prayers, then you're not having enough faith. That's a common teaching out there in some circles, a very common teaching. And I think that that just adds uh, discouragement on top of an already painful, difficult situation. And so I will say this. I'm going to do a lot of explaining uh, before I even actually get into the actual text part of it. I'm going to do some explaining. But I want to say right here, right now, I believe God does miracles, and I, I believe God does miracles today. I really do, 100%. <clears throat> Just doesn't always work the way we think it should work. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But and, and again, in this text, I would say, you know, the point isn't really the miracle itself. It's important for us to, to remember that, that the the point of, of the miracle is not just the miracle, but really what it is, is what the miracle proclaims. So if we don't get anything else, what does this miracle proclaim? It proclaims that Jesus Christ is real, Jesus Christ is alive, and Jesus Christ is powerful. That was the same 2,000 years ago, and it's the same today. So let's pray and hope that we leave here after I tell you these depressing, sad stories. You're like... I didn't come here on Sunday. I came here to get filled up and edified. Come on, man. Hopefully we'll leave here filled up and edified as we leave. But let, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to help us in this. 
Father, we come before you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We do acknowledge his power, his might. We thank you for the fact that he is with us, that he is uh, powerful, that he is a healing, life-giving Savior. We thank you, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. So... Here's what we're going to do first. We're going to just try and, this is, again, is not, we'll get into the text here. I'm going to try and move through this fairly quickly. But we're going to try and make some sense of miracles. And that sounds kind of weird to make sense of miracles because miracles really aren't something you can make sense of. But we'll just try and take a step back on this whole concept of miracles. So here are some thoughts. The God created an orderly universe, right? There's systems we have seasons God created night and day he created a, an orderly universe and one way he has created this universe orderly is by causing it to operate according to the laws of nature okay according to the laws of nature again I'm not saying mother nature any of those things like you know that that's the power it's God who's the authority and he has set up a system uh, for the world to operate commonly. Well, to carry out his purposes, most often he works according to and through the laws of nature without us even noticing. I believe that uh, the regular healing process in, that God set up is miraculous in and of itself. I believe childbirth is miraculous. I believe the change of seasons is miraculous. I had uh, heard someone talking and they were reading a poem uh, about creation, it was basically talking, it's kind of a satire, talking about this big bang and this big ball of fire, and then you have dinosaurs and then you have dandelions, and it's just the, the, the reality of God's creation and all the things that are alive work together now is really, we, we call it just natural or nature, but even in those things, uh, there are, I believe, we can see the idea of something miraculous happening just in God sustaining the universe. However, sometimes he works in ways that are supernatural. In other, way, in other words, ways that are outside the natural laws he has established. And we've seen this, right? We hear something like, wow, that was supernatural. Someone's been at the uh, doctors and they have, you know, they've went in for their scan and their spots all over and then people are praying and then they go in the next time and it's like it was all clear. The doctors can't tell. I mean, we have some, some stories here of people in our church that have had supernatural, I believe, healings where God has healed in a supernatural way outside of just the natural way of operation. You hear about someone who has supernatural strength for some kind of uh, feat in, a, in an emergency. Or, uh, you know, you hear about this tornado that hit this whole building. And it, it just happened to save this one closet where all the kids were. And sometimes God chooses to work in supernatural ways. And then even on more rare occasions, he performs miracles. And again, I'm not, these are, there's overlap in these things, so I'm not trying to draw a hard line. Uh, I, I can't give you a Bible verse for this stuff. It's just kind of observing the world that God's put us in. On more rare occasion, he performs miracles which are extraordinary supernatural acts that make an undeniable or unquestionable display of his power. 
So in other words, if someone comes in and says, yeah, the test came back, uh, there's no, you know, it was there, the, the, the scans were full of tumors, and then we went back and there were no, that's supernatural. But it's miraculous, and it's this, uh, if, if you want to kind of like try and define terms, miraculous would be someone walks up to a man who has been paralyzed for eight years and says, walk without a big, and then that person is able to walk. That is a miracle, right? And we would say that those things are rare. Those things are typically in our everyday life. We don't see those things happening as often. So natural, God has designed it. We see it often. Supernatural, less often than natural, but still amazing and, and awesome and God's hand on it. Miraculous, where it is God coming up and, and uh, you know, you picture Lazarus, Jesus Christ coming up and raising Lazarus from a grave after he was rotting and stinking in a grave. Miraculous, undeniable. No one could go, well, I don't know if the, uh, you know, maybe the doctor got the scans wrong the first time. Like someone, the guy was rotting in the grave and then he's walking. Miraculous. And so continuing on, if you look at this, and we've talked about this before, in the book of Acts, it's kind of a transitional book. And I, I'm sorry if this feels like a classroom right now for you more than a, a Sunday sermon, but I think it's important for us. A lot of times God works by first working in our mind and then allowing it to settle into our heart, and then it's able to be lived out in our lives. And so sometimes we have to be able to address some of these things. And so... Again, this is kind of the major eras of miracles that God's seen. So if you take all of time that has, since the earth was created until now, it's not that God is constant. I would say God is constantly doing miracles. I would say that. But there's these periods of time where it's like really consolidated, uh, loud periods of time where he's doing amazing, uh, amazingly uh, profound and documented miracles. Again, I do believe God does miracles. He's done miracles all through history. He doesn't just do them in periods of time. But if you look at God's word, you can see that there are kind of some chunks where there are periods of time. We have 400 years between the Old and New Testament. We don't hear about really anything biblically going on there. I do believe miracles happen then. But as far as what's documented, these are kind of some of the main chunks. So during the Exodus wanderings and conquests, right? The parting of the Red Sea and uh, you know, all of the um, all of the plagues. You can think about all of the different you know, manna from heaven. You can think about all of the things getting rock, uh, water from a, a rock. All of that. This during the time period when God delivered Israel from Egyptian captivity and set, settled them in the promised land. That's one big chunk where you'll see a ton of miracles. The prophetic ministries of Elijah and Elisha. During the period of the kings, God sent these two prophets to turn Israel from their idolatry. You know the stories of these men, and during the period of the kings, <coughs> there were a lot of amazing things that had happened. Most of them were through the prophets, through these prophets. And then the foundational ministries of Christ and the apostles. The miracles done during this period validated the message of Jesus Christ, the apostles, and the newly born church. And so as Christ did his miracles, it gave 
validity to his claims as being the son of God. As the apostles said, they were followers of Jesus Christ and preaching this different message than the Jews were used to hearing. It gave authority to the, to the early believers and to the apostles. And so that's very often why God would do these miracles is to make a statement. Does this make sense? Okay, again, I know it might feel a little scholastic. Go on, just give me something for the week, man. This, does, this isn't going to do anything for me. But I think it's important for us to realize these kind of things as we look at God's word, because as we look at God's word, we can go, has God done miracles all the way through? Yeah, but it might not be his common way, his normative way during every season to constantly be raising people from the dead. But he can do it. I believe he does those things. I believe he miraculously heals people. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I, when I get these prayer requests, that's the way I pray. I've prayed as I've heard about somebody who's had, uh, ha had a miscarriage. I've prayed that God would give life somehow to that baby again in the womb. So I don't not believe in these things. But I will say, if we put all our stake in, in God operating this way all the time, then we may end up a little confused. So it's important for us to understand God is the giver of life and that he has that power and that in certain periods of time, he displays that power more greatly than others. I hope that makes sense what I'm saying because it can be really tricky and it can sound like, Oh, you're just trying to uh, explain away why, you know, my aunt ended up dying of cancer. No, I'm not. I can't explain that. Or why God's not doing these incredible miracles for in this situation or that situation. I don't understand all of these things, but we can take a step back and go, this may help it make a little bit more sense. With me? All right. So as we now kind of diving back into the text here, if you have questions about this, arguments about it, you want to discuss it more in depth, then I would love to talk about those things and not to try and win you to my side, but to just really genuinely discuss Scripture and uh, be able to, to make sense of this. So again, the, the idea, I believe, given in this passage, isn't just the miracle itself. It's not... This, this lady was dead, and then she's alive. I believe the message for us in this passage, the message that Peter uh, was communicating through his actions, that Luke was communicating as he wrote this, is the fact that Christ's power heals and brings new life. I don't think we can argue with that, regardless of the time. And so the reality is, in a lot of ways, God has done physically through the ages or through these periods of time, he has done certain things, but he's continued to do those things spiritually for us, right? The spiritual is deeper and longer lasting than the physical. Would you agree with that? Well, that's hard to reconcile sometimes, isn't it? Because we want to see, we want to see some healing now. We want our achy back to be fixed. Uh, and much worse problems to be fixed. But it's important for us to realize that true health begins with our inner man. That is a work that God continues to do 
and, and can, I will say, can be guaranteed to every person. Healing and new life in the inner man. Second Corinthians 4, 7 to 12. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. So basically he's saying, we have this amazing treasure in us, these old clay jars, like our bodies are just clay jars. So that uh, he wants, God wants to show his power through these clay jars in such a way that you can't go, yeah, it's not that clay jar that's got the power. It's God's um, amazing power in us. Uh, that the excellence of the power may be of God, not us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What he's saying is physically, circumstantially, there's a lot of trouble. And you could go, well, why didn't, why didn't he rescue him out of this? Why wasn't there a miracle to save him here? Because he wanted to display something more powerful, the power of God through these troubles, through these problems, even about the dying of bodies that the life of Christ we manifest through. I think about those widows that were in there looking at the clothes and the different things that uh, Tabitha had made. Do you think maybe they had some questions? Like, why, why Tabitha? Why not my husband? I'm a widow. We don't understand why God always works the way he works. But we do know that he wants to make his power known even in difficult situations. That he has the power to heal and bring life. And I would say even into our crummy, broke down situations. He has the power to heal and to bring life. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so then death is working in us, but life in you. So in other words, he has these crummy situations. This is Paul writing this. He says, but all this is to your benefit in bringing life to you. Then later in the chapter, he says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So our outward man can be perishing, but our inward man can be being renewed. God, or, uh, Paul prays to God in Ephesians 3, I believe it is, for the, the saints there in Ephesus to be strengthened in the inner man. I'm not giving you this as a cop-out going, yeah, I don't know if God can heal your cancer, but he can fill your heart up. But the reality is, that's very much what we need. We need the healing and the life inwardly. And I believe that as you have that healing and new life inward in your inward man, that you are then able to be sustained no matter what the physical situation is, the physical hardship. If your heart has been renewed, if your heart's been given life, your heart's been healed. All right. God's ambassador of healing in your life. And this is what uh, this is what Peter was for those folks there. But uh, before I do that, I want to just kind of give a Warren Wearsby. He just died not too long ago, and he was a... Bible teacher, 
Great guy, and he had this quote, and, and I'm bringing this back to the other point, that Christ's power heals and brings new life. Because I really think it is important for us to just realize how vital it is for the inner man to be strengthened, healed, renewed. And that, I can guarantee, Jesus Christ can do for you and wants to do for all of us. Regardless of the season of the epochs of time, he is constantly providing spiritual life. He's worked in these physically miraculous ways in very pronounced, I believe again, miracles all the way through, but these very pronounced periods of miracles. But all the way through, God has been providing healing, restoration, and spiritual life. So just think about this. And I just kind of thought of about a few situations. We, we had that man there who was paralyzed, and I thought, man, there are, there are probably stay-at-home moms that are just paralyzed with their situation. They're paralyzed with stress. They're paralyzed with their responsibilities. They're paralyzed by their own failures that they're too ashamed to talk about. They lost their temper with the kid this week, whatever it is. God can bring, through Jesus Christ, God can bring healing to that paralyzed parent supernatural spiritual healing they may not experience uh, healing from a backache or from uh, a disease that they're fighting they may not experience that but if they're able to have that inner healing then they will have the strength to endure that physical hardship and I was talking to somebody recently and I just keep making the, trying to make this point to them that's not experiencing healing. They've prayed for it many times. They've been prayed for to have healing many times from, from a physical ailment that's, I would say, devastating their life. And I'm like, the physical health is, is, is vital. Like, it, it's important. But that spiritual health is vital. And we can be doing things to work on your spiritual health regardless you don't get your physical health and if you get the spiritual health it will be easier for you to what no matter what happens whether you get physical health or not to sustain you through the physical health does that make sense what I'm saying and I again I I, I struggle preaching this message because I don't want it to be that I don't have faith that God could heal her I've prayed many times for for that girl to be healed but I know this that God wants to give her supernatural healing and health so that she can endure whatever may happen physically and there are certain things we can do to receive spiritual healing and health and that will, will help us be spiritually healthy so that we can make it through any kind of physical hardship <clears throat> think about a I was thinking about the burnout 50 year 50-year-old construction worker who needs a new life in his daily grind. Can you relate to that? Sorry if you're a 50-year-old construction worker in here. In there. Uh, um, Ned hasn't said anything about needing life in his daily grind. <clears throat> but the reality of it is we talk about this resurrection life. Many of us would just be satisfied with some resurrection life in our job. Oh, yeah, Steve. Right? Wouldn't we be happy to have some resurrection life, some new life breathed in to our grind? Not, even if you're not a construction worker, you're like, the office I work in is 10 times more difficult than a construction site. 
And that's probably maybe true. But we need that kind of new life. And that kind of life is available through Jesus Christ. I wrote the teenager struggling with verbally abusive parents. Does that person need healing? Does that person need new life? Is there trapped in that situation with their parents who are verbally, maybe even physically abusive? Jesus Christ provides that kind of healing. And again, the point is not about this miracle in this one situation that God did. It's what it proclaims about Jesus Christ. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ does have the power to heal and to give new life. It's not always the fact that he's going to give that to you or that's going to be available to you physically, but it is available to us spiritually. We're God's ambassadors. And so here in the passage, we see what did God do through Peter? God used Peter to bring healing and life, which resulted in others putting their faith in Christ. Now you think about it. He's this ambassador, and he's bringing spiritual life, I believe, to them also. But he happens to be an ambassador of healing and life physically through, you know, he's an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus Christ, he says, Jesus the Christ, arise, make your bed. I feel like it's kind of a funny thing to say, make your bed. But he told him to make his bed. This guy's been paralyzed for eight years. And just like Peter is an ambassador of healing and new life physically, we're ambassadors of healing and new life spiritually. You think about it, I don't know how many paralyzed people you've seen this week. I don't know how many corpses you've seen this week. But I guarantee you, you've seen spiritually paralyzed people this week. And I guarantee you, you've seen spiritually dead people this week. And they need life. They need the hope of Jesus Christ. We can be ambassadors of that. So more common than seeing those kind of things, people around us, right and left, they need spiritual healing. They need healing from bitterness. From They need healing from their past. They need healing from their own sins that they've wrecked their own life because of their own sin. I need healing. You need healing. Spiritually, we need healing. And we can deliver that message to one another. There are people in this room who need spiritual healing. Probably all of us. We can be ambassadors of that healing as we speak the truth of Jesus Christ and remind each other of who he is and what he can do. We can be ambassadors of his healing. <clears throat> and transformation testifies of Christ's power to others. You know what's really cool here? You think about Aeneas and Tabitha, and as they're there, they didn't do anything. I mean, they just received healing. She was dead. He was paralyzed. They didn't do a darn thing. They received healing. They just enjoyed healing. And what was the result of that healing? Many people came to know Christ just by them receiving healing. And so, yeah, we are ambassadors. But I believe that transformation that happens in us when we receive healing when we receive new life. I believe that that speaks louder than even words that we could go around and, and go preaching to others about Jesus Christ. You think about it and you think maybe 
uh, you're healed of some anger issues or bitterness because of your past, and someone sees that transformation. I, gave, I confess to you guys some of my hard-hearted, sinful attitudes last week. As that's changed in me, it'll be a testimony and hopefully bring others to know Christ and trust Christ and believe in Christ. You think about the, the, the marriage that, you know, is struggling. They're fighting the seven-year itch, you know. It's like, uh, I, I'm not sure if we're in this thing for the long haul. It all seemed great. Year one was rocky. Year two was better. Year three was good. Year four, five, six, you know, so-and-so. But, man, there's a lot of other people out there I think I'd be with, rather be with. Y'all heard of the seven-year itch, right? It's not just me. <laughs> Maybe it's the tenure. It's just not always. You, you don't don't count on the calendar on that. But what about him breathing new life into that marriage? You think that's going to be a testimony to others of Christ's power, and you enjoy that new life in your marriage? You're like, yeah, my spouse will never have that. Just wait. It might be a 12 year, 15, maybe some other time. But as you go through some difficult stretch. You'll need the new life that Jesus Christ can offer you. You'll need new life breathed into your marriage. And Jesus Christ can provide that. Again, the point today is, and so how can he do it? I need to know about my marriage. I need to know about, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I need to know. That, the point this morning, unfortunately, we can't go into all that. But the point this morning is to have faith and to know that he can. It's not about the miracle. It's about what the miracle proclaims. And the miracle proclaims that Jesus Christ has the power to heal and Jesus Christ has the power to give new life to all our cruddy situations, and he wants to do that in our inner man. I mean, you think about it again. You hate your job. You go to work. You think people around you are noticing that? You think your coworkers are maybe catching a little something's wrong? Think the boss is kind of wondering what's up? As you have new life breathed into you through Jesus Christ, not saying you're going to walk in there skipping around singing songs slapping people on the back being mr happy but there will be a change if we receive that new life there will be a change that will be noticeable and that transformation will testify to christ's power and it's all we have to do is receive and enjoy that and as we do that and you i mean that's like a double whammy uh, jordan was kind of talking about that two-way street thing where god gives us worship but then we worship and then we get back it's kind of like this 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 thing think about that I get to just enjoy healing. I get to enjoy new life. I get to live in it. I get all the benefits of it. And by just enjoying all the benefits of new life in my marriage or my work or whatever situation it is, in my physical pain or whatever it is where I get that, I'm also shining the light of Jesus Christ by just enjoying what he does. That's a double whammy. That's like a two for one. Maybe you're one of those people and you're like, yeah, you know, all, all this is good, but I feel like I'm just very, very far away from God. I feel like I've been paralyzed in my walk with God. I've been paralyzed by worldliness. I've been sucked in by all the stuff that's going on in the world, and I feel like I'm at a standstill. Spiritually, I'm stalled out, man. I'm burned out. I'm stalled out. I'm bummed out. Some of it's because of worldliness. Some of it's just because I've got confused and looking at the wrong things, and I'm not looking at truth, but I'm looking at myself, or all these different things. That person needs new life. And as we 
begin to accept, enjoy the healing and, and embrace the fact that he has that power, that will transform us and that transformation will be a light to others. And so as we think about this, whether you are in a tough situation or not, I can tell you, I can guarantee you that Jesus Christ wants to bring you healing and new life spiritually today in whatever area it is. Maybe you've never even come to know Christ. You've never put your faith and trust in Christ. You're not even sure of your, where your uh, eternity is going to be spent. And maybe you're spiritually dead. You're not even hungry for the things of God right now. He can give you new life. He can do that. And I would say that the best way for that to begin is for us to open our heart to his ability, just embrace that he can do it, embrace that we need it, open your heart up to his love, that you would open your heart up to, to his power. I mean, just opening your heart up to his love will trans begin to transform you, the fact that he loves you right where you're at, and that's a biggie for me. I try to get myself out of a bad mood all the time, and I can be a grump. I can try bible churchy ways to get out of my bad mood. You know what does the best job of getting me out of my bad mood? Real, realizing that Jesus Christ is with me and loves me while I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Darn right. It's true. And I can, it, that, you know what it does? It brings life to me. Right in the middle of my grumpiness. Because he is able to do that. His love, his power, transforms life. That transformation that he's most concerned about. He's most concerned about what lasts the longest, and that's eternal, spiritual things. He's most concerned about that which goes the deepest, and that's spiritual things. And he provides those kind of healings and new life for us and has them available to us all the time. Jordan's going to come on up, and we're going to close with the song. And what, what I would just encourage you to do is while he's playing and we're singing, if you would like to sing along, that would be great. If you want to just let that be an opportunity for you to, one, just embrace in your own heart where do you need some healing, where do you need some new life, and begin to just receive Open your heart up to Christ's love and Christ's power. Maybe it has to do with your past. Maybe it has to do with the situation you're in now. And then if you would also, if you're like, I'm good there, man. I'm filled up. If you're filled up there, be thinking, who are some people in my life who need some healing? Who needs to hear this message of hope? This is a message of hope, right? It started as a little bit of a downer, but man, it's a message of hope because we serve a good loving, powerful Savior. He conquered sin and death. That's our rescuer. And we serve an awesome rescuer. I'm going to pray one more time and then we'll sing. Father, thank you for today. I pray that you would use this passage, this message, not to confuse us, not to make us doubt or wonder, but instead that you would fill us up with hope, that you would use it to open up our hearts to your Son's love and power. Father, I know that there's lots of healing and new life that needs to be had right here in this room. I pray that you would do that with us, that we would then become ambassadors.
of healing and new life. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for this Sunday together. Thank you for this particular passage. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.